Hello, welcome to The Parent Panel, a weekly podcast where one mum and one dad are invited onto the show to give us their opinions and share their experiences as parents. Our mum today is a broadcaster and writer who also loves to swim nude in Sydney's harbour. And our dad is a marriage celebrant who loves to dress up in character. Well, sometimes you catch yourself just being bossed around. You're going, wait, wait a second. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, I'm an adult. <laughs> Neve one day took her nappy off and just rubbed it on the wall. Oh, wow. I kind of feel like parenting is a good antidote to my anal retentiveness. I think you're still in the trenches with your kids. I like the expression trenches. I sometimes call it the vortex. <laughs> the Parent Panel with Siobhan Hunt. Annalise Dent is our mum, writer, broadcaster, mum of two, they're aged four and seven, and she does get nude in the harbour for a good cause. Hi, Annalise. Hello. Would you like to explain <laughs> the nude swimming bit? Yes. I, I'm an ambassador for uh, the Skinny Sydney, which is a nude swim in the harbour, and it raises money for the Charlie Teo Foundation each year for brain cancer research. <laughs> and what, part, what time of the year is this skinny dip? Well, I think it's, um, when was it? it a might cold have been... time of year, I don't get it. No, well, this year it was terrible. It was raining. You couldn't see the bottom of the harbour and the whole time I was worried about sharks getting my bits. Yeah, (laughs) as you would. Yeah. Oh, God. I know. Very brave. Okay, and our dad is marriage celebrant Chris North, who will kid up in whatever you desire in order to marry you. That's true. That is true, right? I'll even go nude. Really? Yeah, sure. That could be yeah, a bit distracting. I can you Not for a charity, that. but I would do it. I, actually, <laughs> Just... I've done a nude swim as well. I do one for a charity foundation. It's the, the Winged Keel Association. It's for those sailors from Australia too, from many years ago, you know, just relishing in oh, the wind. Back in and the so, old days. Yeah, so, yeah, so men with winged keels <laughs> go for a swim. If you, um, if you use, extend the euphemism, so to speak. <clears throat> Just bringing it down a notch, isn't oh, yeah, he? Sure. Already. Uh, Chris has three children, two boys aged 11, 13, and one girl 15 now. That's correct. Yeah, gosh, you know, people come back oh, on and you, they get older. Yeah, they're older. I should let everyone know that Chris and Annalise are friends from way back. There was lots of hugs and yeah. reminiscing prior to getting on air. So, you know, I can't guarantee where this will end up. No. But, um, in, in the gutter, probably. Yeah. <laughs> probably. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see, because the topics we're talking about are our true feelings about Book Week, whether birth order impacts who you become and pregnancy announcements. First up today, though, we're talking about dieting apps. Hi, Mom. Send me summer camp for fat kids. Looks like he's bounced around quite a bit. Sure, my waist is bigger. The camera adds 10 pounds. Who else needs to lose weight? Weight Watchers, or WW, as they have rebranded, have released an app for children that they say will help combat childhood obesity. Now, in Australia, more than a million Australian kids are classified as obese. The app, called Kerbo, is aimed at children aged from 8 to 17 and is apparently based on Stanford University's Pediatric Obesity Program. On face value, this looks like a, a legitimate attempt to help children eat better, but there has been very loud criticism for those helping adults overcome eating disorders today. Annalise, do you think this app is a step in the right direction and a legitimate attempt to help children be healthier, or is it a dangerous money-grabbing ploy on the part of WW? I think it's a legitimate attempt to make money. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wait a second. Children who are struggling with, with their health and parents who are desperate 
to do anything about it. I think it's disgusting. I think it is so revolting to have weight loss associated with children. I think Weight Watchers changing to WW haven't fooled me. You're still all about fostering unhealthy relationships with food. Counting calories doesn't work. Diets don't work. 95% of diets when people go off them, when they stop counting calories or eating carbs or whatever sort of rules you're putting in place, you go back to where you started. And until we remove shame and stigma from food and from eating, I mean, being healthy and and, and losing weight, which I wouldn't even associate with kids, it's, it's not a science. It is energy in, energy out. And so if you are providing healthy food and you're encouraging your kids to move, that's how you're going to help them, not giving them an app mm. that, that, makes, that sets them up with, you know, I, I looked at some of the goals and it was one of them is weight loss. That is, it says weight loss as, as a category and you get points and oh, I mean, yuck. it's icky. It's real icky stuff. It is. Do they realise they don't l- burn calories by just pressing buttons? Like <laughs> there was always Surely this talk. in one finger there's a calorie loss. There, there was always this sort of furphy that went around town that was like, oh, if you were, you know, having a little bit of you know, parent time, a little bit of special cuddle time, <laughs> you'd burn like 150 calories each time. Nobody's, nobody's a marathon fit runner just because they're having it three times a week, okay? It's like... Three <laughs> times. Yeah. Oh, okay. I told you this would end up in yeah. marathon. Okay. No, no, no. Be... I'm just, I'm just I know, making the analogy. Mm. But, but is the app called Kerbo? Yeah. More, like With a I, K. Right. I kind yeah. of look at that and I go, why don't you just call it Fatso? Like, why is it why you don't just give it, call it what it is and like turn it into a Pokemon style, mm. Pokemon Go thing where people can walk around the street and kids can take them outside. They want to lose weight, take them outside and go, oh, look, there's a fatty. Oh, it's worth 25 points and see if they can walk around the street in their augmented reality Kerbo app. I reckon and so, you've got to know, you're giving people ideas here. Yeah. You know, look, it's a, it's a hip, it's a heifer hippopotamus or something and you go, oh, it's worth no, 73 points. Terrible. No, you're it's terrible, like, oh, look, it's, No. Yeah, and it's like, you know, it's if, if, if you I, want to I be think... that like silly about it and actually gamify the idea of losing weight, it's it's ridiculous. So why don't they own the fact that well, they're just got... trying to take their, their mind out for it anyway? You've got older kids, Chris, and I'm curious because we're, our children are about the same age, Annalise and myself. Hmm. Um, have you come across any problems with your children getting into the teenage year, years worrying about their weight? Uh, no, well, okay, that's uh, no. So um, I haven't had that uh, as an issue. Uh, so uh, the, the children are really fit. Uh, they do a lot of exercise. They uh, We keep things, the house, very busy. Um, boys are swimming three times a week. Uh, Molly's uh, doing kind of netball and net fit and swimming and other things. So there's stuff going on. They eat like freight trains, but they mm. burn it off so quickly. Uh, and But the idea that there's... Um, they're also kind of not driven towards tech. So it's kind of a background in, I was going to say house. that you don't have any social media comparisons for them to make in terms of their body image. That's right. And so, we, so we're very limited on that. And they've only just come into technology very late in kind of the stage. It was never part of the early thing. And this, I think, is an example of bringing tech into children's lives really early, which they shouldn't, people shouldn't do, which I still can't see the evidence which says, oh, you know what? We brought in this learning app from, the, from ABC <laughs> that was like, they're sitting in the pram learning how to count, you know, and oh, look what it does for their development. It they're does be nothing. A genius. Yeah. No, you're just lazy. <laughs> what, um, was that, what was that DVD? When your kids are small, they probably have Oh, those. baby Einstein. That's oh, yes, because they're going to be Einstein. And they had like yeah. puppet hands oh, with the yeah. classical music and everyone's yeah. like... This is just parents abdicating responsibility. Seriously, get, 
and take your kids to the park. Go for a run. Get off your own phones. I actually like what um, Annalise is saying. You're a bit harsh, Chris, but yes. um, <laughs> what well, Annalise is saying in oh, terms bringing of... Bringing controversy to the, <laughs> to the podcast. I, I want to ramp it up. It's not a, it's not a love-in, Siobhan. <laughs> oh, well, you, you gave me that impression before we entered the studio, Chris, with your <laughs> greeting of Annalise. Um, but just that idea of playing on um, parents' insecurities as well, thinking um, I, the, a friend of mine actually wrote about this and said, you know, this is not the way. My, my parents tried to do the right thing by me because I was a slightly overweight child and they put me on a diet and I've had lifelong issues with food and dieting and weight and her psychology because of that. Um, and she said, but they had the best intentions. They were worried about my future as a inverted colonist fat girl. Um, so I can see that there's some parents who might look to this to go, Oh, I don't want my child to suffer. So I do see there's yeah. some kind of insidious. But I think we just have to be so careful with the way we're setting our kids up with their relationship for food for life. And I think as well, as, as a mum of boys, you go, oh, well, you don't have to worry about it. You actually do because I think we are really careful about the way we speak about food and diet and we don't say diet around girls. But uh, I will tell you a story. I've got a seven-year-old boy and he was running up and down this hill with his mates and they were rolling down about an hour and a half of running up and down, you know, as kids do, living their best lives. And one of the kids like ran past my seven-year-old son, he was seven. He said, we would have lost so much weight just then doing that. Mm. Oh, don't. Mm. Yeah. Now, do you think that that's innate in boys, that they're running around living their best lives thinking about how much weight they're losing? No, that, where have they heard that? Yeah, and uh, kind of on that, like they don't have a comparative to that. They don't understand the concept of losing weight at seven. It's just not a part of the, the cognitive framework. And so kids running, I've got kids, see kids at the schools, they're running with Fitbits and they're in year two. It's like why? Oh, so I can count my steps. Why? So I oh, so we can I can lose weight. It's like this is mm. this is instilled from a behaviour that comes from the house. And if if they're they're big kids and they've got bad eating habits, it's straight to the parents. An app is not going to help them change their behaviour because that stuff has to start at home. You have to show them. You've, you've got to stop feeding them And if rubbish. you're going to eat rubbish, eat it at work. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of lollies in the babyology office. Where's my shortbread biscuit? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Up next, how our guests really feel about Book Week. Uh, my favourite week of the year. You're going to need a good costume. Where are you supposed to be? I'm Hermione Granger. You kids are so cute. Every year when Book Week comes round, you can hear parents groaning everywhere. It's another thing to do and, depending on the character your child chooses, can be a monumental effort to prepare for. Then, of course, there are kids that don't like Book Parade and make the whole experience miserable. On the other hand, there are parents who love a chance to be creative and get there. Then they have children who love to dress up. And the day itself, I have to admit, does feel like a bit of a festival. Like everyone's walking to school. It's a little bit like Halloween. Everyone's excited and it's fun. Chris, are you a Book Week lover or a hater? I'm just on my phone at the moment waiting for the school to text me to let me know <laughs> if my children have won. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not competitive. 
Not at all. Not there at all. are awards. I've never seen awards. Oh, they, they win everything. Like, oh, okay. It's so good. Uh, I, I love, I first, my first impressions of Book Week was, what is this rubbish? I was so cringy. But then I saw what happened with the kids and they love it. So um, my impression of it, because it's this week, is that it is such a great opportunity for children to be creative and to re-engage them with books. My kids love books. They, it's, it's like the number one thing on the list. If I want to punish them, the first thing Elaine and I say to them is, you're not reading tonight before bed, and they're uh, like, they're, "It's, it's, that's a your problem." Your kids like that, Annalise. Um, I think I want to be like Chris when I grow up. No, as I know. A parent. Yeah, that'll be our new life goals. <laughs> as a parent, <laughs> as a parent, can we leave the other stuff aside? Yeah, but, but they're engaged with them. They love books, and I'm not a big reader, so it kind of frustrates them, and they, they kind of get me, try to get me engaged in books. So I'll read to the youngest still at you know, at night, but. Um, you know, look, he's 21, but that's great. <laughs> uh, but so, what's great about it, Book Week, is that it engages them into books, it gets them involved in things, and it, and it, and it recreates the imagination. Parents get super competitive. I love that. And, <laughs> and, but I love seeing kids that actually make the effort at a costume. Mm. And, you know, if they're dressing up as Violet Beauregard from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, that they look a little bit like the imperfect fruit section of Harris Farm. They're not quite <laughs> as blueberry as they should be, they're a little bit oh, off center and thing. But what's funny about Book Week is that my youngest son is he's a bit competitive and Sebastian loves it. He's, he is creative and um, he's won the Book Week for his school in his year every year, right? And, of course, wow. this year, it's like the only year he didn't win. Well, here's the interesting thing. Only when he, year he didn't win, he created his own costumes um, was when he went as the boy in the dress and the school just couldn't handle the fact that there was a boy in in a dress. No. Like, which yeah, is just it just ludicrous. It freaked them right out. They were like, oh, oh, do, do, do the boy in dress. Um, but this year, all of his mates decided that they were going to go as Disney princesses. Right? <laughs> I love it. So the year six kids are going as Disney, or, or um, they may even change that to the Simpsons. I don't know, but they're all going to dress up and have fun and not be competitive about it. Yeah. Though there are parents there who seethe at the fact that their kid didn't win. And I, and I know there are really? parents who are lining up. They're making the costumes. They're, they're building them for weeks. Yeah, that's what I don't know. Oh, I mean, I think... Do you go to that effort? Like, do you yeah. honestly go to the effort of, of building any um, of the... You've known me for ten years, so you, okay. I could, you, yeah. you know that I would not go to that effort. The, uh, my my kids' costumes this year was um, a glass of wine. No, <laughs> is there a, is there a book for children about wine? Wine country. <laughs> um, no, my four year old went as Rex Hunt because he is obsessed with fishing. <laughs> oh, that's great. So he went as Rex because we've got Rex gu- Rex Hunt's – oh, that was a tricky one. Rex Hunt's mm. Guide to Fishing and Adventures. So oh, it is a book. Yeah, it nice, is. Yeah, nice. he reads it every night. He can't read, but he flicks through the pages and Perfect. looks at the photos every night. He's four. <laughs> and then my seven-year-old went as Charlie Bucket. And so there was one little crafty element in that, which was the golden ticket, which I outsourced to my husband. On a weekend, I said, you and, and Freddie, go and sort it out go to the printers, get the paper, figure it out, do a project. And they spent hours on it. I didn't have to do it. They loved it. Perfect. Yes, the, the, it was really, really crap. Like out of all the golden tickets that were at the school, it was the worst. But they did it together. I mean, it should. If, if it's you're groaning because it's something that you've got to do for your kids, why did you have them? I mean, it is a fun <laughs> dress up. They love it. It is all about you know reigniting joy and and interest in books. Yeah. Why not celebrate it? Mm. But if, also, don't make it a, a Facebook thing because you've got you know th- you've spent three weeks in your paper mache head, which your kid hasn't been allowed uh, to touch. But, you know. Oh, that element just, of it is no, see, so I, true. I have to disagree there because 
Facebook and Instagram are only there to boast. Like, yeah. seriously. The Frank, only, I, about I, parents, not about the kids' abilities. It's about yeah, the yeah. parents. Oh, yeah. I'm not denying that. We've, we've had this conversation in a previous all. podcast and it, it didn't go down well with the guest. Yeah. I, I don't think I'm allowed to do it with that guest anymore because it was like, I was. No, no, no. Let me just say um, I currently swim at an ocean pool through winter. That's very Instagramable. Absolutely. Yeah. And the only reason I post every week is the only reason I get there is to say, look at me, I swam in freezing water. I would so, yeah, I'd be if you're going to put the effort in, you've got to boast on yeah, Facebook. That's I know. But at least let your kids get involved. Like, I mean, that's... Okay, you shouldn't take over. That's fair. But, yeah. you know. You can still boast, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Bragstagram. That's Bragstagram. Yeah. That's what you're missing I'm out on, Chris. All about it. Having oh, no Instagram, sorry. you can't brag about sorry, so I'm, many things. I'd engage in this conversation, but I'm waiting for my school <laughs> to call me to tell me that my kids have won. <laughs> and and, and uh, did you tell us what he went? Oh, no, it's princesses this year. Yeah, it's princesses this okay. year. Yeah, cool. Disney princesses. Oh, I want a photo of that. Yeah. You can just send it to me okay. privately. <laughs> <laughs> All right, look, I'm the youngest, so apparently I'm the most entitled child in my family, if you believe in the power of birth order. Up next, Annalise and Chris Annalise and Chris will be telling us what they think about birth order. Don't you hate being a middle child? But I'm the oldest. I'm the youngest. You can get away with doing just about anything. For once, I want to go first. Dr. Suzanne Moore and Dr. Doreen Rosenthal have released a book called Second Child, Essential Information and Wisdom to Help You Decide, Plan and Enjoy. In, a t- in an attempt to help parents work out the impact a second child may have on their family, they've analysed how birth order might affect children. For example, they say, firstborns tend to be more conscientious, hardworking, responsible and assertive than their later-born siblings. Secondborns, on the other hand, are often more relaxed, less driven but more creative than their older siblings. Annalise, have you noticed that birth order has impacted the personalities of your kids or do you think it's a load of hogwash? Uh, Definitely I think that birth order affects them because you do parent them differently because you are, and I say you, and most people are harder on their first kids because you haven't done it before, you have too many expectations on them, you treat them like they're sort of 10 when they're two and you don't understand why they're screaming and so you, you don't have as much patience you don't see that there's light at the end of the tunnel that they pass that and yeah of course the younger ones are given a break but I think it's a lot of hogwash to read a book about it <laughs> sorry like you know I think we just sort of really read into this parenting and oh they're born second and we're going to space and we're going to we're going to copulate on this month so that there's this much of an age difference because that's the best for their development it's like you know, no. It's Special like, snowflakes, no. <laughs> it's like it's like aligning them to the stars. Oh, oh, we have to do it while there's a transitional, reverse transition of <laughs> Neptune or, you know, whatever. And then suddenly it'll be born in Aries. Oh, whatever. I know. Whatever. I, I just think that the whole book thing is just too far. Just, yes, you're probably going to get it. You're not going to get it right. But, you know, there's a lot worse things you can do to your kids than... Have the, them. Have them, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are yeah. you? Are, have you got brothers and sisters? Yeah, I've got a younger sister, and she's definitely the baby. And I've always been older than my years, but so that's going to happen. Yeah, and the thing is, I'm the youngest, and I think I'm way more oh. organized. Well, I'm the youngest. I'm the favorite. All youngest are the favorite. Yeah, no, I'm not the favorite. Mm. 
I think my, my the middle one's the favourite in my family, but deservedly so. She's more likable. And people overcompensate for the middle one because... Mm. But no, see, she, no she's okay. just nicer. Yeah. No, she's the favourite because she's nicer. Yes, because middle children have to be people pleasers so they, they get the attention. Mm. Yeah. I think you're right, though, about the idea that it's, it's you know, that framing early on is to you know, how the children are behaving, you know, in their, like, later years is because as, as nervous parents, you really do, you'll do everything at the drop of a hat. You know, it's like when the, the babysitter is called the first time and you, you go, oh, call us if there's anything, like any crying, yeah. any any movement, anything. <laughs> and then by about the second and third child, it's like, don't don't even, don't call us unless you're in the hospital. <laughs> uh, unless there's blood, I don't want to hear from don't you. Don't want to hear from you. No blood, no call. Uh, <laughs> so it's, and I think it's that kind of laissez-faire attitude that, that passes through, actually, it's... And, um, and can you see it in your kids? Uh Mm, yes, actually I can. Yeah, because uh, Molly's super organised, um, and she's kind of on. She's very, um, she's very driven. Uh, Rupert, wow, well, he's just on his own planet. I some, I just don't know. Sometimes, like he's, he's like me. He, yeah, I was gonna say he does have your genes. Yeah, so. he does. Yeah, I am um, unavoidable. Yeah, and and the youngest Sebastian, I'm, I don't technically don't think he's, I'm his dad. Uh, but let's, let's, but let's, let's just we'll worry about that later on. Um, but no, it's it's you see that they've got different personalities. Uh, I think those personalities get heightened by the way that you parent them. So the way that you engage children in terms of their pers- their their already innate personality will actually make the difference. I think the the, the framing business that we put like a, I'm the oldest, I'm more responsible. I know plenty of oldest children who are the, who are the, like the least responsible people in, on earth, and you wouldn't trust them with anything. And it's interesting what you say about personalities because I think my daughter was always going to be a fiery little pocket rocket in a way and my son is soft and sweet and I don't think that that's their birth order I think mm. that's how they that's who they are that's who they are yeah. yeah I think I think I think you come out who you are and as parents you can make them either a little bit better or a little bit worse but <laughs> depending on what you do but really they are who they so are true yeah. <laughs> that's right this is what you are I'm either going to make you better or, or worse, worse. <laughs> yeah yeah and By I think, think most of us do the latter, unfortunately. Well, you know. Yeah, happy to head to we should pro- all be reading more books about parenting, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> That'll <Is> help. <laughs> so uh, for those that want to know, um, Annalise's recommendation is Dr. Susan Moore and Dr. Doreen Rosenthal's <laughs> Second Child. Yep. Read it. Read yeah. it. I will be. <laughs> it's too late. You've got a second oh, child. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Is there an app for this? <laughs> Our final topic in just a moment. How did you announce you were expecting your first child? Raising children can be a challenging and rewarding experience. We've landed a man on the moon, but we still really don't know how women labour and give birth. Feed, Play, Love, hosted by me, Siobhan Hunt, is a bite-sized parenting podcast that's here to walk, skip and jump beside you as your children grow. It's understanding and teaching parents to talk to their kids about knowing that people have different maps of the world. They see the world differently. Feed, Play, Love, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm pregnant. We're pregnant? I'm so excited! And I'm putting this on Instagram. It's all over her Facebook page. Officially. Facebook says it's true. 
This week, Taria Pitt announced um, that she was expecting her second baby and she said that it was um, appropriate to do it Beyonce style, which was basically a video um, with her and her partner saying they're having their second baby. And while some people will announce their pregnancies on social media, mainly celebrities, others choose different ways to tell many people or even your nearest and dearest that they are expecting a baby. Chris, how did you announce that you were pregnant with your first child? When I, when I first started, kind of, when you said this was the topic, the first thing that comes to mind is those those baby gender reveal parties. Oh. <laughs> I didn't expect you to do that, Chris. Oh. <laughs> no, but you know, the thing is, you, you, oh, you wouldn't have had social media when you had your first baby. It would have been Telegram, you know, it's... Morse code. Did it, did it, did it, did it. How old are you? Well, I, just, actually, I need to take it further. Uh, we were doing semaphore off the edge of the boat. Uh, I was like, here we go. The flags are out. They're having a child. Um, but you're, uh, uh, oh God, and we have mutual friends that are kind of live for the day of having the you know, baby reveal parties where you kind of, it's blue. Let's, let's leave that for another day. Oh, okay. But the idea of announcing a child, great, good stuff. But we, um, <laughs> what we what we did with our first uh, first child, which is obviously what the topic is, um, we had a bit of fun with it. So I remember sitting at the table and had the in laws on the other side, and I said, and and Neil is my wife's brother, uh, one of the brothers, and I said uh, he was living overseas at the time. I said, isn't this great news about Neil and his then girlfriend? And they went, what's that? And the dad goes, uh, my father in law goes. Huh? And my mother-in-law goes, what's happening with Neil? And my, uh, Elaine goes, don't, please. Sorry, this wasn't the right time. And oh I went, oh, oh, sorry. Oh, okay. Um, oh, and then it got really awkward. And like for about what's 10 Neil or 15, saying? well, he, well, he's, he's not there. He doesn't know. Oh. It's like 15 seconds of awkwardness. And I went, oh, I'm probably sorry. I probably, and, and my father-in-law's like digging the hole out for me. He's like, oh, listen, this probably wasn't the time to, let's just move on. And, 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 uh, Lee, my mother-in-law goes, no, what is it about? What is, what is the news about Neil? And what, what is it that we're all so happy about? I went, well, that he's going to be an uncle. And <laughs> she thought we were about to drop the pregnancy bump for him, which wasn't the case. Um, and when he found out, so we kind of, that's the way we engaged oh, to say, isn't this great that he's going to be an uncle? And then that was how they found out that their daughter was having a baby, the first grandchild of the family. And it was... Um, were there tears? Yeah, it was really nice. And it's those things. And having that fun element too. Like, if, I don't, did you ever do that with Claire? Did you... Uh, put something like in the in the in the cupboard like here's the test and like you open the cupboard and you're about to go and get the cereal and then you see the pregnancy test and go what's it? oh jesus how many lines what what does that mean and like shivers we're having a baby no like, i with, with my husband i smsed him a photo of the uh, positive pregnancy result <laughs> well, you, well you did good kid <laughs> so you were actually trying it wasn't just a yeah i this was wasn't before you got married no no, this I got. I, I was really fortunate. I got pregnant very quickly with my first. Mm. Yeah, I know. I, with the um, when you're saying that thing about the stick, the thing is that we're the ones peeing on the stick, so mm. we know to hand that stick to someone is a little bit yeah, yeah icky. There's pee on it. But yeah, my it's odd. my sister-in-law, I still got my sticks. So do the I. The two isn't that gross? No, it's not gross. I've still got mine somewhere. Mm. The problem is I don't know where they are. So, no, what, what? Sorry? <laughs> where did, hang on, what? I, I kept my sticks. Where, yeah, you keep well, your sticks. The, where did this stick? conversation go to? <laughs> uh, Pregnancy. Oh, no. Something. God, now next we're going to be talking about, oh, I got I get my placenta put into a health capsule and eat it or, or blend it into a milkshake or a and smoothie. drink it as a smoothie. Yeah. Oh, oh, placenta. Oh. 
It's so gross. But my sister-in-law wrapped hers up in um, Glad Wrap because they'd been trying for a while to fall the second time. She wrapped it up in Glad Wrap, which is fair enough, and gave it to my mother-in-law. And still, my mother-in-law, it was it was too subtle. <laughs> She's still looking at it. I love my mother-in-law, but she was like, "What?" what? And we we're all sitting around the table going. She's pregnant! <laughs> Wouldn't you agree, though, there's something when it comes to social media that, especially when it comes to announcing kind of the pregnancies, people go, oh, I'm pregnant, but they, they give this backstory, which is probably unnecessary. So is it about the celebration of the fact that you're having a baby or that you've overcome this great big obstacle? What What is the mm. bit that you're trying to share with people, the, the, the overcoming of the obstacle of, to people who didn't even know? Or the fact, you know what, I'm telling the world, we're having a baby. The thing that really uh, bugs me with pregnancy announcements now, so um, so to answer your question, mine was a, a fetus photo on Facebook. You know, like I mean, mm. I wouldn't do that now because that I mean that was eight years ago. And You'd do a GIF. I probably do a GIF. Yeah. <laughs> well, it may be some sort of Photoshop, but no, I, I did a fetus photo. It was eight years ago. But what I'm can't stand now is these just over curated with shoes lining up and sequential things and and there's it's just it's like did you spend three days like did you get a stylist to come in a creative director (laughs) like you're all standing around workshopping how you're going to do this announcement you know what it's the same with the gender reveal unfortunately great but we don't care as much as you But you know, the first time I saw a gender reveal, I thought it was really clever and cute. No, I just With think cake no one a... cares about your gender reveal mm. as much as you do. Maybe no. your immediate family, but no one else cares. Do you know, it's just reminded me when you were talking about the shoes, it just reminded me of actually, I hate that. I hate that so much. But what was funny though. Big I brother soon. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to be a sister. Oh, I don't care. I know. I the humbugs in this It's so overly curated. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, I saw somebody do that, but they only did it with one shoe. Oh, and that's like, awkward. So one shoe. And I was like, all I could do was like, did you find out your child only has one leg? Oh, uh, no. and like, Why would they only have one shoe? Oh, because I don't know. They're just lazy. Maybe, Or maybe they were trying to be different. But, oh, yeah. Oh, that's hard. Didn't want to conform. Oh. <laughs> I, I love that Chris brought it back to hating on social media, though. Oh, sure. <laughs> Every time. That's because he doesn't have social media. I know. He doesn't <laughs> know how great Can somebody it can send be. me a telex the next time we have to do this, this thing? <laughs> what fax. is this thing? This, this radio <laughs> thing. Did you still have fax numbers? Morse code. What was that sound that they made when the internet first came on? Oh, yeah. It was. Yeah. This dial up. Five minutes. And then it would cut out. Oh. Oh, you got to start again. I don't know about you, but I still haven't paid my OneTel account. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, that was our last topic, although Chris would like to keep talking sure. about social media. Uh, and we do. I do take the time to say if you'd like to shamelessly plug something, you're most welcome to do so now. And, and Chris, you're actually doing some, how can I say it this what? way, charity work. Oh, stop, don't. He's okay. being a, he doesn't like when people know he's actually a good person, no, no. good parent. Got social good and ethical person. values. Somewhere. When, when, they get, when, they, when they have money attached to them. <laughs> <laughs> don't downsell yourself. Just tell us what's happening. I was happening. just thinking of that married at first sight vile person that's oh God, the one that's pregnant and at the moment oh, Cyrell is it Cyrell that's pregnant oh Northy give her a go isn't <laughs> what, 
I don't really want to. Uh, not my type, but it's like, imagine what that baby reveal party is going to be like and when they start announcing They'll, they'll be glassing for sure. <laughs> <laughs> glassing incident. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm working on a thing with uh, a great group called the Sydney Youth Orchestra. We've got the big bus happening in Sydney, uh, which is like 17 orchestras taking over the city. Uh, there's going to be over 600 musicians on October 10, and it's... Um, helping uh, break down the barriers of perception around kind of orchestral music. There are lots of kids from around New South Wales, from, you know, advantage to disadvantaged families to rural families, everything. And they're just, they're all exceptionally good players. Uh, and they're all busking to raise money Fabulous. to get there, to get instruments and music and stuff like that. So it's a really good thing that you'll see. If you're in this, in Sydney at that time, you'll see lots of orange shirts and it's lots of fun. Yeah. So Chris North. Still a good bloke. Yeah, still a good bloke. <laughs> I'm going to get a T-shirt. I'm going to send T-shirts. Yeah. And, and I'll put it on my Instagram. Stop it. You don't have Instagram. At, what is I don't even know what it is. <laughs> no, you don't have Instagram. Do you know what? Send me a Insta link. We'll put something. it in the notes of the episode. There so you know go. how you can support it. Actually, okay. Siobhan, I do have something to plug. Excellent. Because I'm charitable also. Yeah. Are you doing a nude swim? We should all watch. No, no. This is for... Uh, so uh, I'm an ambassador for Ch- uh, Rafiki Mwema. So they were, have been in the news lately because... Harry and Megs chose to follow them as one of their 15 Forces for Change grassroots charities. They look after sexually abused kids in Kenya. And we have a cruise next month. If you're in Sydney, a very chic cruise on the harbour, September 14th. It's called Cruise for My Rafiki. It's raising money to uh, give the kids a Christmas that they deserve. I'm hosting the event. And also Celeste Barber's going to be there, which is so chic. So if you want to come and meet Celeste... And have a little chic harbour cruise, please okay. come. And uh, we'll put all the links to that in the notes of this episode. Thank you both so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I'm Siobhan Hunt. You can find me at Siobhan Hunt. See you next time. You've been listening to The Parent Panel, a babyology podcast. Hosted and written by Siobhan Hunt, produced and edited by Debbie Ning. For more information on the show or to check out other episodes with equally funny and insightful guests, you can find all you need at our website, babyology.com.au slash parent panel.